we have been on this journey. We've been on this journey. The road of God's blessing. The road of God's blessing. And we have been studying the Beatitudes. And you know, the thought come, came to me this week as we were, I was just going, thinking about all these Beatitudes, and I thought, you know, we talk so much, we talk about the glorious church, the glorious church. Jesus is coming for a bride without spot or wrinkle. And it came to me by the Holy Spirit that when we walk according to these Beatitudes, we are becoming more and more the glorious church. The glorious church. That's what this is teaching us. This is teaching us. This is bringing us into the fullness of Christ. This is bringing us into the fullness of our Lord. So anyway, this week we're on Matthew 5, 7. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And so I decided, to, of course, to go to the Noah Webster um, 1828 Dictionary, and uh, we have a PowerPoint. And what does mercy mean? Mercy. Okay, God's mercies are new every morning, aren't they? Right? Scripture tells us that. So if we go to the next slide, we have several definitions of what mercy is says, that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart, which disposes a person to overlook injuries. I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to overlook injuries. Or to treat an offender, an offender, better than he deserves. Do you ever want to be treated better than you deserve? <laughs> we all need to be treated better than we deserve sometimes. The disposition that tempers justice. So when justice would bring punishment or wrath, this is a disposition that tempers that. It induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries, and to forbear punishment. In other words, not to punish someone as the action that they did might deserve. Or to inflict less than law or justice will warrant. So the law or justice would warrant a certain punishment. But mercy will give clemency or mercy Mercy will not suffer that punishment. And in the 1828 dictionary, it said that in this sense of the word, there is no word in the English language, there is no word in the English language that encompasses fully what mercy truly means. There is no word that pre is precisely synonymous with the word mercy. It's not in our language. So it's a lot more than just one thought. 
It goes on to say, mercy is a distinguishing attribute of the supreme being. In other words, only God fully, truly understands mercy. Only God fully can apply mercy. Because unfortunately, we allow our carnal beings to get in the way sometimes. But the Lord, according to Numbers 14, 18, in the King James, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and by no means clearing the guilty. You know, that, that kind of sounds odd to us because he's not clearing the guilty. He's not saying the sin is okay. But he's applying mercy to the situation and to the person. So, we're going to go to the scripture because part of, and as I was thinking about this, the Holy Spirit was reminding me that as we contemplate mercy and as we understand mercy, applying mercy, it helps us, we, we need to understand when and how to judge in order to properly apply mercy. We need to understand when and how to judge. It requires us to understand and recognize our own carnal beings, our own disposition. Because face it, people can tend to be extremely judgmental. Extremely judgmental. And we need to recognize our carnal being so that we can put it under the spirit. So that we can put it under the, the character of God. Um, and you know, when we try, up back up here, let me go to... Um, Proverbs 28, 13, again, it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. See, that's what's so good about God is he offers us repentance. He offers us forgiveness. What happens when we conceal our sin? Our hearts become angry. Our hearts become bitter. We become oppressed. Not we. Nobody here at RCC, right? But people, their hearts become bitter. They become oppressed. They become depressed. They become angry. They develop controlling behaviors. They become selfish. They become destructive toward themselves. But when we confess our sin to a merciful God, we get to walk in freedom. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And that's the power of repentance. That's what, that's what repentance does for us. It's a very freeing, a very freeing gift. So I'm going to go to Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, see, this is totally up to us. This is totally up to us. I'm reading out of the NIV. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured unto you. Well, remember what our scripture says? What did our scripture say? It said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the merciful, so they, they shall obtain mercy. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How, 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 especially in light of the mercy of God, how can you look, say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye when all the time there's a plank in your eye. How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye, you hypocrite? 
First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. The goal is to help someone remove the sin. The goal is not to pummel them. The goal is not to bury them in their sin. The goal is to help them find mercy. The goal is to help them walk on a higher level, to walk in the fullness of Christ. That's the goal. So when we take the plank out of our own lives, hopefully, hopefully we become merciful toward another because we see our own state. And then we apply that mercy to them. So, but I want to really clarify something here. It is not talking, this is talking about not judging the person. The person. It's talking about not judging the person. It's not saying don't judge sin. That's not what it's saying at all. It's not saying, it's actually calling sin the plank, right? Sin is a plank. We don't need it in our eyes. So it's, it's not saying don't judge that sin. It's saying don't judge that person. We need to judge them with a light of mercy. It's simply reminding us to understand our weakness because when we understand our weakness, hopefully, hopefully, we look at someone else walking in a weakness and we help lift them up. We help lift them up. And we don't become critical of their frailties because we know we have plenty of our own, right? So it should remind each one of us, each one of us, of our need for mercy. And then we demonstrate it to others. Here's mercy exemplified. Luke 6, 27 through 38. But to you who are listening, I say, this is Jesus talking. Are we going to listen to Jesus? Yeah, we're going to listen to Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to those that hate you. Bless those that curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on the cheek, turn them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. You know, a lot of times, sometimes, you know, I've had things taken from me. I, I really honestly find the best philosophy is just to tithe it. Just, just make it an offering. Just give it to God. Say, Lord, I offer that. I offer that into that person's life, and I know that you know how to take care of me. So it's really seems to me the best thing to do. But anyway, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? That's easy. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful 
and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Is it hard to be kind to the ungrateful? Yeah, yeah, boy. It's hard, very hard to be kind to the ungrateful because we want to say, you ungrateful so-and-so. I did this for you, and you don't even care. You're not giving me any thanks. Well, you're not living here, saints, to get thanks. You're living here to glorify your God. So pay attention to your testimony, right? <laughs> and be merciful, even as our Father is merciful. Now, it seems like a really, really tall order. Does this seem like a tall order to you guys? This seems like a really tall order to me. It's hard. It seems hard. In the end, it's not, because our Father is a rewarder. Our Father is a rewarder. It's not easy, because what does our world tell us to do? What do we hear? Watch out for number one. Take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to take care of you. Watch out for number one. Who's number one? See, that's, that's who we're watching out. That's, that's, where, that's where our eyes are supposed to be focused. Romans 2, 1 through 4. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else, for at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Hallelujah. That's true. We do the same things. We, it's so easy to look at somebody else's life and say this and this and this and this is wrong. But what about if we turn the magnifying glass on ourselves? It might not be the exact same sin, but it's sin, right? Who here walks perfectly? Who can cast the first stone? Well, it certainly isn't me. I wouldn't even want that responsibility of making that decision, honestly. But you see, again, we're talking about, he's talking very clearly here about judging a person. He's not saying agree with sin. That's not what this is saying at all. Okay? I want to do this. I want to do this because it's the right thing to do. But I also want to do this because I don't honestly want to suffer the consequences of judging other people. Because I don't want to develop a hard heart. I want to be compassionate. I want to be merciful. I want to be loving. I want to be kind. I want to experience the glory of God in my life. You know, when, when Moses was talking to God... And Moses said, I want to see your glory. God answered and said, I'm going to show you my goodness. So if we want to experience God's glory, we better exercise his goodness. So I want to do this, yes, because it's right, but I want to do this because I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be anger, angry. I don't want to be bitter. I don't want to be ungrateful. I want to be thankful. I want to judge myself first. I want to judge myself first. Verse 2. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. See, he's the only one who knows everything. He is truth and he is love. He is truth and he is love. And he can judge rightly. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them, yet do the same thing, do you think you will escape God's judgment. But see, there's a real easy answer to this. 
to walk in mercy. Just to walk in mercy. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his, that's God, do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Scripture tells us his mercies are new every morning and that his goodness and his kindness lead us to repentance. Do you know your goodness and your kindness to someone else can help lead them to repentance into the fullness of Christ back into that nurturing relationship with the Lord when they've walked away. Don't you want to be that kind of instrument? I do. I want to be that kind of instrument. Yeah, I do. I really do. So it, you see, it's not saying to not judge the sin. It's not saying to condone the sin. It's not saying not to help the person rightly see the word. You can do that in a loving, kind, gracious, merciful way. You don't, you don't look the other way and say, oh, yeah, okay, brother, it's okay. Okay, yeah, sister, that's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. And, you know, the scripture tells us that when we see someone else being led away to death, that if we don't help, you know, if God puts that person in our life and we see them being, you know, that he sees that. So we don't want to be in that situation so it's not saying don't shed the light of the word of truth into that person's life. But when you do it, do it kindly. Do it with graciousness. Do it with mercy. Don't judge the person. You know, there was, this is an example. I know this is a very, very simple example. Very simple. But raising kids, or maybe you have nieces or nephews, or maybe just people that, you know, young ones that you're responsible for. And so when they when we were raising our kids, if they would do something wrong. Okay, you don't say things like bad girl, bad boy. That's judging a person. You can say that was a wrong choice, that was a wrong action, but you don't bring shame into that person's life. God does not shame us into behaving. He gives us light, he gives us love, he gives us mercy, he gives us the ability to repent, he gives us you know, freedom in repentance. So you don't say, bad girl, bad boy. What does that do to that person? What kind of a seed? Is there any badness in God? What kind of a seed does that plant in a person's spirit when they hear that? How could that affect them later in life? How does that shame affect them when they remember that? Oh, I'm bad. No, you're not bad. Good people make wrong choices a lot. That's why we need mercy. But when, you, when a person is raised with that kind of shame, what does it do? Really think about this. And I'm not, I'm not putting guilt on people. This is supposed to be enlightening and encouraging because he gives us a different way. And when we follow God's way, we always win, Right? But what does that do in a person when they're, when they're spoken to in that manner? That shame, think about what really keeps people from entering into the love of God. So often it's shame, the inability to forgive themselves. So we don't want to be a vehicle for that in somebody's life. You know, when, when people feel shamed, 
They don't feel that they can run into a loving, the loving arms of God. They don't feel that they can ask for forgiveness. They don't feel worthy. You see, God does not call us by our bad behavior. What does he do? He said, yeah, that was wrong. That was wrong. But you're my beloved. That was wrong. But you're my beloved. You're engrafted into the palm of my hand. And the minute you make a mistake, do I dump you out? No. <laughs> we would have all been dumped long ago. See, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He says, no, you're my beloved. You're my child. You're my forgiven. So see, I, I don't want to be the vehicle that sheds shame in a person's life. See, God is a, he, God is a chain breaker. He, we were singing this last week, weren't we? He's a chain breaker. He's a way maker. He's a pain taker. He's not a guilt giver. He's not a slame shayer, shame slayer. <laughs> right? He doesn't slay us in our shame. He says, come here, beloved. I have forgiveness. I offer mercy. I offer mercy. You repent. You repent, and I'm going to give you mercy. He points to the darkness of the sin, but the acceptance of the person. The darkness of the sin, but the acceptance of the person. I want to do that with people. I want to be that way with people so that they have a place to come freely. To freely come. Ephesians 4.15 Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. Thank you, Lord. See? That's what he's doing for each one of us. That's, where the, the, that's the journey we're on. That's where he's taking us. And remember, when we were back in Romans, when we were back in Romans 2, verse 4, a few minutes ago, it says, Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? So, see, what he's really saying there is when we judge another person, we are showing contempt for him. That's showing contempt for our Father and the gifts that he's given us. And, and we don't want to do that. We, wanna sh we don't want to show contempt for his mercy and his goodness in our lives. James 4.11 in the NIV. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them, that's a person, speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but you are sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. See, he saves us with his mercy. His mercy draws people unto repentance. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? We can judge the sin, but not slander the person. We can judge the sin, but not slander the person. So why is this so important? Why is this so important that we understand that this concept? Well, the long and short of it is that there's really, there's one perfect, that God is the only perfect being. 
He's the only perfect being. And I was talking to one of our kids this week. Actually, he brought this subject up to me. And I thought it was kind of interesting because I was sort of thinking about it too. And he brought this up to me. And he said, you know, <laughs> when we have someone in our lives and they're doing something that we know is displeasing to God, The only perfect, God is perfect. And that's why we're not really supposed to judge the person. Because what we tend to do as human beings is we get through a trial. We get through a temptation. We become victorious over that situation. We eradicate it from our lives. And then what we do is we're like, well, I did it. You can do it. You know, why are you there groveling around? You can do this. Come on, get out of it. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You see, we forget. We forget that it's him who helped us do it to begin with. It's him who broke the chains. It's him who set us in freedom. The scripture says that in our weakness, he is made strong. In our weakness, his strength prevails. If we turn to him, if we, if we go back to him, if we run into his loving arms. You see, but so often the carnal temptation is to look at that and say, well, I did it, you can do it. What's your problem? And we get very judgmental. And we forget the mercy. We forget who really did it for us. You're not doing it on your own, saints. It's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his love. He's seeing this fragile, I'm not saying that you're fragile in the spirit, okay? But he's seeing someone with human tendencies. And he's saying, okay, I've got you here. Listen up. My word's going to guide you this way. My, my Holy Spirit's going to, and I'm going to make you strong enough to do it. I always give you a way out where the temptation comes. And that's, what we, that's how we need to be toward others. So anyway, he was saying, you know, God is the only entity, truly, 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 that can separate the person from the sin. He is the perfect one who can separate your personage from the, act, the wrong activity that you're in, the, the, the sin. And he judges the sin is wrong, but he has mercy on you. And he does so without holding a grudge. I call it, you know, people so many times, they might help someone or they might um, come alongside someone, but what, it, what happens afterwards? They have this like residual judgment. Well, you're really not as good as I thought you were. <laughs> That's from the pit of hell. They have this residual, see God doesn't do that. What, is, what does the scripture say about how God treats us when we bring our sin back to him when we repent. It's as far as the east is from the west. It's forgotten. Only you can remind the father of that. He, he's not keeping score. Honestly, I was raised in a faith, and I really did think this. I really thought this as a child, that God had a black book, and every time I did anything at all, the least bit wrong, he was marking it down. And I could never do enough good to make up for all that bad. Well, then the blood was of no avail. 
when we know that the blood was of a veil. Because how does God see us? He sees us through the blood. He sees the believer through the blood. He sees everyone through his love. But he sees the believer through the blood because of what Christ did, because of what Christ accomplished. Thank you, Lord. So, see, he, he gives us the right. He gives us the right when we come back to him. He gives us the right to walk in freedom, a legal right. We have a legal right through the blood, through the forgiveness, to walk in total freedom. That's been purchased for us. He gives us the right to be free because of the blood. Hallelujah. But see, as humans, we, we tend to look at how we walked out of something, how we overcame, and then we look at another person as being weak, and that's not the case at all. But if we maintain that merciful heart, if we maintain the mercy, we remember the mercy that God has shown us, we can walk in that toward others. Galatians 6.1, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, any transgression, even really, 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 really big ones, guys, If anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. In a spirit of gentleness. See, God will come along and he will take that weakness or wherever it is that we were, and he will restore us in a spirit, in a spirit of gentleness, and he will equip us, if we let him, he will equip us to even use that thing to help others to turn that into a testimony and a witness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too should be tempted. Romans 14.10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? Right there, he is calling the judgment of that person that you are despising that person. That's what he's saying there. When you pass judgment on your brother, you're despising him. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God, for it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me. Not you, not me, not our judgment of another human being. To him and him alone to our merciful God. And every tongue shall confess to God. To God. You know, that's, a, that's another thing. I gave you that scripture at the beginning, and I just want to go back because I just thought of this. Look at this. Proverbs 18.3, Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. But the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. Did you all catch what it says? Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses them. That's the person confessing their own sin. It's not you confessing it to everybody else. Their own. 
It's not us gossiping, oh, I need to help this person, so I need to go tell all these people about that person's sin. He says their own, whoever confesses their own. We don't have any business confessing other people's sin. Where was I? So then each of us will give an account. I'm back in Romans 10. So then each of us will give an account of himself, not your neighbor, not your brother or sister, to God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or a hindrance in the way of a brother. What is that saying there? It says, here's the better part. Here's the better thing to be doing is judge yourself. Make sure your testimony is strong. Make sure your testimony, and when you goof up, when you make mistakes, you go back and repent. You go back to your father, you get healed, you get forgiven, and then you use the power of that testimony to lift somebody else up. But don't be a stumbling block. Take care of yourself. Get the plank out of your own eye. Let me take the plank out of my own eye. Let me judge myself. Let me look where I've messed up, run to my father, get forgiveness, and then walk in power and strength and victory in that area, and then take it and lift somebody else up. So rather, go right here. Go right here. By watching our own actions, we can then make our actions a testimony to others. We can then use them to lift others up. We keep our own walk straight. That's the best help we can be to anybody. That's the best help we can be to anybody. And then we allow him to use that weakness. Second Corinthians 5.10. This is ESV. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. But here's the deal. If we do something in, the, in, in a carnal, in the body, if we do something in a carnal situation, we repent, it's clean, you're washed, it's over, it's gone. You no longer receive judgment for that. You've already taken care of it, right? We've already taken care of it. James 5, verse 20. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner, wow, Thank you that we have the opportunity to do that when we walk in the mercy of God, that we can bring back a sinner. What, what, greater, what greater ministry could you have? Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Galatians 6.1, we just read, talk about restoring gently. Mercy draws us to repentance. That's a heart change. Mercy includes forgiving others in your own life. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Now this is personal. It's become personal. It's not just they're sinning against someone else. This is personal. How, ma how many times? Up to seven? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven but 70 times, seven times. 
70 times. And do you know what? And this, this, was, this really blessed me because I looked it up in the um, Aramaic, the plain English Bible. And you know what it adds on to there? It says, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven times each. Each. Each little infraction. So don't stand on the law and think, well, this particular person sinned against me 490 times, and now I do not have to forgive that person anymore. Enough is enough. I've had it. No. That person sins against you forever, eternity, over and over and over, each time. Each time. Do you think there's an end to God's mercy? Well, do we want to be little Jesuses walking around? Huh? Okay. I do. And I know your heart does too. Does it make it easy, saints? Is it easy? No. It's not easy. But it's blessed. How did he start the verse? He said, blessed are those who are merciful. Blessed. Do you want to live a blessed life or do you just kind of want to get by? I don't kind of want to get by because (laughs) the glory that God gave Jesus, Jesus gave to us. He said it himself. Father, I have given them the glory that you have given me. And that's where we want to walk. That's where we are seated at the right hand of the Father. Think about that. Think about where you are seated, saints, at the right hand of the Father. You have every spiritual blessing in Christ. We don't want to throw that away. We don't want to hold that in contempt. We want to walk in the power and the majesty and the victory and the fullness and the wholeness of what that means. It's our God-given right. It is our inheritance in Jesus. Praise be to God. 1 Peter 1.3. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. This is your gift, saints. This is your gift. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. You have a living hope because you are in Christ that the world does not have. And when you demonstrate his mercy, you are demonstrating a living hope unto others. A living hope. You are a living hope. Think about that. Think about who you are in Christ. Think about it. You are a living hope. You are the life of Christ. You are freedom to others. So we have pure hearts. We walk mercifully. We we walk meekly. The things that we've been going over these last weeks. 
We walk more and more into that living hope, the fullness of Christ, understanding what he purchased. Think about what he suffered. Think about what he did so that you could receive mercy, so that you could walk mercifully, so that I could walk. No price was too much for our Jesus, for you, 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 every single one of you in here. He counted no price too big. So what, you think you can walk in a little mercy? I'm going to try. He's going to give me power. Hallelujah. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. If God did that for me, what can I do for somebody else? Hallelujah. If he did that for me, we walk in mercy, not just to obtain mercy for ourselves. Yes, we receive that blessing. Yes, we receive that blessing. But we do it because we want to bring the life of Christ into other people's existence. Saved and yet to believe. Remember, mercy is meant for the offender. Hallelujah. And that allows us all to walk. Mercy, mercy, mercy allows us all to walk in an ascendant life. It's our job. It is our job. It is our pleasant, wonderful, beautiful ministry. Thank you, Lord, that you trust us enough that you have given us this opportunity to walk in mercy. Thank you. What a gift that you've shown us mercy, that we can walk in mercy, that we can bring the life of Christ, rivers flowing from the throne of God that bring refreshing, that, that the trees bear fruit, fruit all the time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. What kind of mercy can I offer? I'm going to take that and I want to be the life and the love of Christ to lift people up out. And not to put a lid on their lives, reminding them of all their faults all the time. You know, when we think of it this way, it makes, it makes Luke 6 look easy. Do you all remember what Luke 6 said? We thought it was a hard task at the beginning, but, but when we see this, it makes it look easy. But I tell you, who hear me, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. If someone strikes you on one cheek, turn the other also. If someone takes your cloak, don't stop him from taking your tunic. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything. I'm skipping way down. Then your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. 
because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In light, of, in light of God's mercy, that seems like such an easy thing. So that's what I think the Lord had me share with y'all today. We're, we are going to take communion. You know, the Lord instructed me during this time that we would take communion. Because you see, this is the meal that heals. It is a miracle meal. It is a blessing. Jesus' stripes healed us. He protects us. His blood cleanses us. And so we're going to go ahead and take communion. I'm going to go to Luke 22. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. Verse 15, Luke 22. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat. When we, when we, when we take this communion... Think of Jesus' eager desire toward you. Let that bless you. He has an eager, an eager desire toward you. Thank you, Father. Thank you.